Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Talks with the Gratitude Chick. I am your host, Luanza Christina, aka The Gratitude Chick. Don't forget to follow me on all of my social media platforms at The Gratitude Chick for TikTok and Instagram, The Gratitude Chick 2, that's T-O-O, for Facebook, and join my Facebook group, The Magic of Gratitude. Start your gratitude journey today with 21 Days of Thankfulness, available now on Amazon. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of your Mindset Tuesdays. I guess that's what we'll be calling it from now on, Mindset Tuesdays. So on today's episode, the topic for our mindset is mindset and the law of assumption. And the reason why I wanted to do the law of assumption is because it is wrapped up very tightly with affirmations. And the reason why it's wrapped up that way is because we use affirmations to create new assumptions And our assumptions become our beliefs. So with the law of assumptions, affirmations go hand in hand with that. So I wanted to talk to you guys about um, the law of assumption as it relates to your mindset. So the first thing I want to do is kind of give a brief overview for those of you who don't really know what the law of assumption is. I guess in its simplest forms... um, We know about the law of assumption via Neville Goddard. And in its simplest forms, it is literally assume the feeling of your wish fulfilled. That is what I term Neville's kind of tagline, his motto, if you will. Assume the feeling of of your wish fulfilled. Um, And the reason, I guess, is that nothing exists outside of your own consciousness, according to Neville. And our entire experience of the world is kind of symbolic, kind of symbolic uh, representation of where our consciousness currently stands. So to change anything in our life, then we have to change the beliefs and assumptions that we hold about whatever it is. And just to give you an example, some of the beliefs and assumptions that we have um, you know kind of heard throughout our lives are you know money is um what is it money doesn't grow on trees i'm not made of money um you know any any kind of negative connotation where it comes to money Uh, money is the root of all evil which is a misquoted bible scripture it is actually the love of money is the root of all evil but we have heard these these assumptions all of our lives and even if we go go back a little bit, a lot of the things that we believe are not our own thoughts. They were thoughts supplanted by those in charge of us. So, you know, even the things that, um, even the belief that you have to work hard for your money. You know, I have said this before, in the 70s or early 80s, Donna Summers had a song that's called Uh, work hard for your money right and she said that 19 times in that song it was a big song and it was very catchy and people said it and sang it and said it and sang it and it was programmed 
because the more they you know they played the song the more you thought of it the more you sang it and because it was so catchy it became one of those things that reverberated in your mind right and that is an affirmation and what what she's saying in that song is you have i i work hard for the money and as you sang that song and it was so catchy with the music and you, it, it was in your mind and in your thoughts and, you know, in your words. That is That was the affirmation that you were speaking over and over and over and over and over again. And then they turned around. And I say they because it's, it's all, you know, manipulation. I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> but then they turned around and had that movie with, um, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely like 46, but when this movie came out, it was in the 80s and I was a child, so I can't uh, remember the name of it, but it was the guy, it was a guy who was playing a woman working hard for her money. I can't remember, and I want to say the song was in the movie. I can't remember the name, but if you know what I'm talking about, if you're old enough to know what I'm talking about, then you understand what I'm saying when the movie, when the, you know, the song came, and I don't know which came first, the song or the movie, or if they're, you know, kind of integrated, but it was kind of the visual, it was like the auditory here, you know, learning of working hard for your money, and then it was the visual, so now it, it was like very programmed in our minds and supplanted that that is how you're going to get money, is that you have to work hard for it. And that has been going on for years and years and years. It is commonplace now that people have to work hard for their money. But when you think about it and when you stop and think, people like the Waltons, you know, the Walton family who own Walmart and the Chase family, you know, Morgan Chase and, you know, all these Rockefeller and all these, these people who are, you know, have money coming down and down for through generations. These people are not working hard for their money. Their money has worked hard for them. So they are rich because they have generational wealth and they have not worked hard for their money. The Walton brothers and sisters are sitting on billions of dollars that they did not work hard for. Their money worked hard for them, for their their parents. And now they have gotten all these billions of dollars that they did not work for. So is it true that we have to work hard for the money? I would say no. But it is, and, and, and this is one of the taglines that I have on every episode of my podcast. What you believe to be true is true for you in your reality. In their reality, they don't have to work hard for their money. But in your reality, because it was passed down to you, you work hard for your money because you feel that you have to. Do you guys see the difference? They programmed us in the, I want to say it was the early 80s, that we were programmed to work hard for our money. But they programmed um, the the working class people, those us, us, all of us. They programmed us that we had to work hard for our money. But these, you know, the Rockefellers and the rich people and the 1%, they didn't have this programming because they already knew they didn't have to work hard for their money. That is how they separated us. And if you even go further and look at some of the things that you watch on television and the programming that it's given you, it's called programming for a reason, guys. 
and it's programming us to believe what whoever they is or they are want us to believe so whatever it is that you're watching on television now between the commercials and the actual show that you're watching it is programming you to believe whatever it is the people in charge want us to believe in this world and I I didn't want to get I wasn't trying to make this like a conspiracy theorist um, episode but it just everything is kind of coming up to my brain right now and I, I, I have to say I am kind of a conspiracy theorist now, especially after the whole COVID thing. How do we have an entire pandemic across the entire world? And two years later, we're back to, I can't even say we're back to normal, but it's like it never happened. Like, what happened to it, guys? Like, where did it go? <laughs> what, am, is it just me? So, this is why I say I am a little bit of a conspiracy theorist because what is going on with this COVID thing? <sighs> anyway, I don't even want to talk about that. Um, I probably should take it out of the of this because I don't want any issues. But um, so I'm going to move on from that. <laughs> but what I'm saying about the programming of the television and even the music. Like, be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you let your children listen to. Because a lot of these things, when you're listening to this music, all they need is a catchy beat and a catchy phrase. And that is reverberating around your mind over and over and over. And that, what you guys don't realize, is that is your affirmation. That is your affirming statement. What you are focusing on expands in your life. So when people were focusing on working hard for the money, guess what? It expanded in their life. And now their belief system says, I have to work hard for my money. When in reality, you don't have to work hard for your money. That is the truth. Because we see it around us all the time of people just falling ass backward into money that did not work hard for it. So in reality, you don't have to work hard for your money, but we've been programmed to work hard for our money. We've been programmed not to work hard for our money, but we've been programmed with the belief that we have to work hard for our money. So that is one of the reasons why we're talking about the law of assumption today and how we get these assumptions. And like I said, a lot of us were given these beliefs. Um, they're not, you know, they aren't our own thoughts. A lot of people, um, a lot of us had these thoughts supplanted in us as children that we believed. And we believed that money was hard to get and money was um, doesn't grow on trees. And, you know, money was just this outlier. It wasn't a part of our daily life. And these are the things that we believe growing up because our parents, uh, most of our parents weren't rich. Most of our parents were poor. And as a result of that, um, we did not believe that we could be rich. We believed that we had to work hard for our money and contribute back. You know, these are the things that we believed growing up. So what I want to do as part of this mindset episode is give you kind of a flip on that. The law of assumption is basically assuming the feeling of the wish fulfilled. 
and what that means if I can just kind of dumb it down the way I dumbed it down for myself is whatever you want in your life, whatever you are desiring right now, feel right now how you will feel when you get what you want. That is assuming the feeling of the wish fulfilled. When you think about the car that you want and you see yourself driving it as you um, visualize it, feel how you will feel when you slide into that car as it is yours. Feel how you will feel when you're driving it down the street. The same way with a house that you want. Whatever house that you have found that you want, go and visit that house. Go look in it. Go take, um, what you call it, um, I was going to say trips in the house, but you, you guys know what I mean. And as you're walking through the house, feel how you will feel when you've moved your own things into it. See your own items in it and feel the feeling of how it will feel to to own this house. When I when I was searching for my house and I saw this house and I crossed over the house, the first thing I did when I was, you know, in the house was I'm going to paint here, I'm going to paint there, I'm going to remove these floors like I was sitting here saying what I'm going to do to the house so that we can move in and be happy and be comfortable and when I purchased the house like I've said this many times I started looking for a house June like 9th 2019 and I closed on this house July 15th 2019 it was a month and a few days of me searching for a house to the day I closed and it was just simply because it was in my mind to do it I focused on what I wanted and I didn't focus on what I didn't want. And that is another um, thing that I want you guys to do within this, you know, episode. And this right here is true. Like, for me, my mind can go to terrible places. And this is why I always say I'm no guru. You know, I'm no teacher. I am just giving what I know. And... Um, because I am still growing and still learning and all these things, I'm only giving what I have learned and what I am learning. That's it. That's why I'm not a guru or a teacher. One day I will be a teacher, though. Teacher of, you know, gratitude. So one thing that I am learning to do is focus on what I want and don't focus on what I don't want. And it is. it seems such a simple idea But when I think about things sometimes, what I've realized is I am the opposite. I often focus on what I don't want and not focus on what I do want. So now what I have decided to do is, or what I've been doing is when when things flow into my mind that are unbidden and I, I am a person who believes that we have the power to control our thoughts we have the power to shut it down we have the power to shut it down and we have the power to think the thoughts that we want to think right so when a when a thought comes in because my thoughts have flowed unchecked for so long sometimes those unchecked thoughts come back right so when a thought comes in that is not conducive to what it is that I want in life 
what I have started doing is, you know, just stopping it right there and reminding myself to focus on what I want and don't focus on what I don't want. And I literally say, remember, focus on what you want and don't focus on what you don't want. I literally say that to myself. And the reason why is because I want to remind myself that what I focus on expands in my life. So because of that, focus on what I want and don't focus on what I don't want. So that is the number two for this episode. Get that into your mind. Number one, what you focus on expands in your life. So two, focus on what you want and don't focus on what you don't want. You have the power to stop the flow of negative thoughts. Don't let a negative thought complete. And when you clue into it, because at this point, when we're when we're on this mindset journey, at this point, you have the power to you know, you you're you're at, at the point where your power can clue you into your negative thoughts. Sometimes the negative thoughts just run rampant and rampant and rampant, and it gets us feeling so bad that we don't cut it off. Right? A lot of times we are feeling so down and out that we we just want to feel that way because we've allowed the negative thoughts to continue that is what we don't want so instead focus on what you want what I what I have also learned to do is when I stop the negative flow especially if I stop it too late and I'm trying and it's about to be a downward spiral I do what I what I've called a gratitude rampage and that's just literally stopping for 30 to 60 seconds and just listing everything that I am grateful for. I am so happy and grateful for this awesome house that I have been given that shelters me from storms. I am so happy and grateful for a great family that I have who listens to me and understands me. I am so happy and grateful for laughter in my life. I am so happy and grateful for great health. I am so happy and grateful for the money in my bank account. I am so happy and grateful for that my I don't know, my gut is not acting up today. I am so happy and grateful for CBD oil. Like all of these things that I just said and I say that I am so happy and grateful for. That what I just said to you, that is a gratitude rampage. When you just let it flow out and say the things that you're happy and grateful for. And the purpose of doing that is to raise your vibration at that time. Gratitude is the fastest way to raise your vibes. And when you let negative thoughts continue and you're spiraling down, your vibes are low. So to raise your vibration, just stop right then and do a gratitude rampage. It is the fastest way. Gratitude is the fastest way to raise your vibes. It really is. Trust me when I say that. Okay, so the next part is to take action on your goals. Now, you can't just write your goals out and sit on them. You must take action. Inspired action is key. These are just some things that I wrote down. And inspired action would be, my goal is to be a writer, right? And to be a well-known podcast host. Well, I'm not really, I'm not looking for fame, but I am looking for listeners. So with me looking for listeners and Um, to be a writer, I have to take action on that, right? So my inspired action to be a writer would would be to write books. In 2022, I wrote two books. 
Um, My Little Thankful Heart is a gratitude book for kids up to seven. And 21 Days of Grateful Thankfulness, sorry, is a gratitude um, activity workbook journal for adults. I took inspired action. I also have two journals available. One is a weight loss journal and one is just an everyday journal for you to write your thoughts. That is all all of these books are available now on Amazon. The other inspired action that I took is this podcast. I have about 300 episodes available on this podcast. So the goals that I have to the first part of my goal was to be a writer and to do my podcast. Now, with my goals, and, and this is what I want you guys to realize, make sure that when you are writing down your goals, you are very, <laughs> you are very descriptive on what it is that you want. Because I said I wanted to be a writer and a podcast host. I am. But what I was really thinking is that I want to be a New York Times bestselling author and a podcast host to millions of listeners. But these two things I did not write down. I said a writer and a podcast host. Well, guess what? I'm both of those. So now when I redo my goals, I am going to write the actual goals that I want, right? And and then my inspired action is I have a book that I wrote in 2006 by hand. It's a devotional. And so now that devotional is about to turn into a um, two different books. One is just going to be the devotional and the other one is going to be a devotional workbook. Now, the devotional is 365 scriptures that I found. So I had to chop it up, right? So I'm going to do four different parts of the devotional, 90 days each. So the first 90 days will come out this year. So that is my next, what? That, that's my next inspired action to do on my quest to becoming a um, New York Times bestselling author. And then for my podcast, we're doing um, this mindset journey for 2023. I also do, I'm also doing the affirmation, excuse me, the ask formation meditation on Sundays. Tuesday is mindset Tuesday and Thursdays are your reading corner. So I will continue doing those. Those are my inspired actions. And what comes from that is I get emails from people um, wanting to be a part of the podcast. Um, I have not said yes to that yet because my podcast is, is, is me. It's all about me talking. So I don't know if I want to allow other people into my space. This is not a podcast for other people. That's why it's called Talks with the Gratitude Chicks. So I don't know if I am at a place where I'm going to allow other people on here just yet. I haven't decided that. We'll see. Um, But I do get those inquiries a lot. So I am grateful for that still. Okay, so the next thing that I wrote down is um, the law of assumption means you believe you will achieve whatever you desire and assume it will happen. It is important to remember that your thoughts and beliefs create your reality. So it is essential to fill your mind with positive thoughts and expectations that you make your dreams. I'm sorry, that you will make your dreams come true. 
And number five goes hand in hand with number four, which is use affirmations to persist in your assumptions. Now, like I told you guys, um, I do an ask formation episode every Sunday. And the reason why I do the ask formations is, is this, they are very powerful. Affirmations by themselves are definitely powerful. Absolutely. But when I give you an affirmation and then I follow it by up with 10 ask formations in the meditation, it's super duper powerful, guys. I'm not even joking with you. Go and listen to the first two episodes. Um, yeah, it's called Affirmation Meditation Episode 1 and Episode 2. Go and listen to them. I promise you, they are very powerful because it's not just the affirmation. I'm giving you 10 affirmations as well. And then I repeat them for you three times. So it is a very powerful episode. And I say that as a person who goes back every day and listens to them myself. Um, As you guys know, I set alarms on my phone to make sure that I say my affirmations all day. And what I have taken to doing is listening to the affirmation meditation a few times per day and also saying them. So I don't just say the affirmation. I also say the affirmations as well. Because like I said, it is it is super powerful. It is like saying the affirmation three, excuse me, 10 additional times throughout the day. Now, just to piggyback on, uh, back to the law of assumption, um, I'm going to show you how to use the law of assumption in your daily life um, to help manifest what you want while using affirmations to kind of change your assumption. So the first thing you should do is write down what you want to manifest. Um first step is to describe the desire you want to manifest. If you have multiple things you want to manifest, it's best to just focus on one thing so that you don't divide your, um, your focus and the beginning. Some people can, um, you know, focus on, you know, multiple things at once. When you're just beginning, try to focus on one thing at a time. So, um, for me, my focus right now is, um, It is kind of split. It is money and it is weight loss, but I'm more focused on weight loss than money. So I have already, you know, taken time and write, you know, kind of wrote down everything. So write down, you know, your desire. Use everything in your mind to describe what it is that you want. Um, That's why I always tell you to set your intentions because your intentions help you to know what you know what it is that you want if you want um I don't know to lose weight your intentions just say why do you want to lose weight to be I want to be healthy um I want to be able to you know go ride rides at you know the fair or at you know um what is it called six flags uh, I don't know I want to you know ride an airplane without an extender you know I want to do whatever it is that you that I, this is me speaking, that I have not been able to do in a long time. 
that is what I write down as my intention for why I want to lose weight. So always set your intentions whenever you are writing down your goals and what it is that you want to uh, manifest. The more specific you are, the easier it will be to imagine the feeling of what it is that you want to experience in your desire. Um, Now, step two, imagine the feeling of your desire as if it has already manifested. Feel the feeling of your wish fulfilled. That is very key. And and if you know anything about Neville, he has written a kind of short book called Feeling is the Secret. I read that on the podcast probably in 2020, so you'll have to go back and scroll, but um, it's called Feeling is the Secret. And I, I, I agree with that. Um, I know Sandra Byrne, Rhonda Byrne. I forget which one. I think it's Rhonda Byrne. I, want, I think it's Rhonda Byrne. She wrote The Secret. And The Secret in her book was The Law of Attraction. But I am going to agree with Neville Goddard when he says feeling is the secret. Because feeling is definitely the secret. I, I read the book, The Secret, back in like 2007 when it came out. And I was very excited about the law of attraction. I had never heard of it before. And I, you know, I didn't really know how it worked. Like, I was just like, what is this? But what she neglected to put in and what I am realizing is that these new folks that's writing about the law of attraction neglect certain parts to put in for whatever reason and I feel like they it's like uh, it's like someone that has a recipe that don't that doesn't want you to know the secret sauce or the secret ingredient that's kind of how I feel about these um new authors who write about this this old subject you know the reason why I say that is because if you go back to Florence Scovel Shin and Dr. Joseph Murphy and all these things have already been written, these are these new authors are just rewriting what's already there. So um, I feel like now they are giving us maybe the pota- the potatoes without the meat, or instead of steak and potatoes, we get steakums in potatoes or steakums and cauliflower mash, you know. And they're not giving us the the secret sauce or the secret spice. So what she should have said, she should have added feeling in there, feeling the feeling. But she has she didn't add that anywhere. And I've read several of her books and in none of her books does she state that feeling is part of it. It's more of a focus on the action part. I, I feel that's that's how I get. That's how I get it from her. So when I read the Neville Goddard saying that feeling is the secret, it was an aha moment for me because feeling is definitely the secret. When you feel good, you attract good things to you. When you feel bad, you attract bad things to you. You know what I'm saying? And the reason why I I know this to be true is because think about times when you are feeling bad, you've gotten some bad news, and the feelings are just rolling and they compound and compound and compound. And why do they keep compounding? Because the worse you feel, the worse you receive to feel. You know what I'm saying? You continue to receive 
thoughts to continue to make you feel that because you're sending out to the universe that this is what you want to feel right now so the universe responds in kind and sends you back all of this stuff so that you can continue to feel this way and similarly when you feel good you are sending that message out to the universe and you're receiving more things to ensure that you continue to feel good And that is why I know and believe that the law of attraction is not the secret. Feeling is definitely the secret. So it is not enough to just think about or write down your desire. To change your internal state, you must immerse in the feeling of your desire being fulfilled. And one of the ways, the best way I know to do this is through your imagination. Visualize what it is that you want. I am a powerful um, daydreamer. I am. And daydreaming is very much like visualizing. The only difference is when you're daydreaming, you see yourself. When you're visualizing, you're seeing everything through your own eyes. It's the difference between um, you watching television and you being in the tele, you know, you being in the show that you're watching. That is the difference in daydreaming and visualizing. Me watching Grey's Anatomy and me being Meredith Grey. That is the difference in, you know, visualizing and daydreaming. So when you visualize, excuse me, when you daydream, because to me, for me, it's easier for me to daydream because that's what I know. If I had known about visualizing, you just don't even know the way my mind is, I would be a great visualizer if I had known, you know, back in the 90s or the 80s that this was something that I could do. But of course, we didn't have internet back then and I would never have known this. So when you when you um, sit in um, daydream for me, make sure that you see everything that you want through your eyes not see everything that you want and yourself you should be putting yourself inside of the daydream not seeing it as if it's a movie if you can understand that I hope I articulated that well um okay so the more vividly you can imagine yourself experiencing your desire in your mind the more quickly you will be able to experience it in the physical world. Use what you've written down in the first step to visualize how good it feels to experience your desire. One of the one of the things that I can actually say helps with visualizing is scripting. Scripting is a way for you to write down your entire desire in kind of a movie way. You know what I mean? And then once you write it out, you read it to yourself and then you can see it. And that's how you can start. That's, that's, the best, that's a good way to start if you've never done it. For me, it works so well. And I, I'm hoping one day I'll be able to just visualize. But for now, I am definitely scripting it out and then reading it to myself to supplant it in my mind so that I can see it over and over and over again. And I, the way that I write it, I don't write it as a movie. I write it, it, it as me doing it so that when I 
um, visualize it. It is me doing it as versus me seeing myself do it. So I hope that made more sense. Okay, so the last step in using the law of assumption to manifest what you desire is to assume your desire is already fulfilled. And what helps you to to get to this state is affirmations, the re- repetition of affirmations. Also, according to the law of assumption, when your internal state changes, your external reality must change along with it because the world is simply a projection of your consciousness. And this I agree with. Once you, when I, when I was, um, when I first did a, a gratitude challenge, I did it for a month. I was unemployed. My unemployment was running out. And I did. I didn't know what to do. Uh, the last interview, like nobody was biting. We were in the middle middle of a recession, and the last interview I had gone on was in like April of 2012, and it was like I don't know. No, it was March 2012 when I went on that interview, and this was May, or was it? I don't know, it may have been the end of April that I started the, um, because I know it was about 28, 30 days that I did this um, gratitude thing. Um, And when I was done, or I may have had a few days left, I got a call from that interview I had done in March, and they were like, hey, uh, are you still interested? When can you start? And I was like, "Uh, yeah, I'm interested. And so the offer was the exact amount that I asked for, and I literally started two weeks later, July, excuse me, June 11th, 2012. And that job um, taught me everything I needed to know about payments and risk. Um, I got many um, promotions at that job, including I was the risk manager once I left that job. It was, it taught me a lot. I gained a lot of knowledge of the payments arena um it was a fantastic opportunity and it all came as a result of my reality shifting because I added gratitude to my life every single day I used gratitude as my manifestation method and even to this day I still use gratitude as my manifestation method that was my first it was it wasn't my first introduction into gratitude my grandmother um, was the person who instilled gratitude, the knowledge of gratitude into my mind. But it was my first introduction of counting my blessings every day. I did not know that when you count your blessings daily, your life changes. Who knew that? Who knows that? Nobody teaches that. So when I figured that out and I did this gratitude challenge, I was just like, wow. And this is what prompted me the, to write the 21 days of thankfulness because I believe wholeheartedly if you just stop and add gratitude into your life every single day, your life will change because my life changed. And my life changed for years because I added gratitude. When I faltered and when I stopped adding gratitude in my life, 2018, um, I had a hysterectomy in August, and it was, that year was a sad year because I was in pain, 
and my company had been sold to a bigger company and with it came a lot of fraud and I was working hard um, because our team was so small but the company that bought us was so large and it was just like we were bombarded and I had I ended up I was working like seven days a week and I was in pain because I had large fibroids and I had a mass on both of my ovaries and on my uterus that they thought was cancer. It turned out to be endometriosis. But if you know endometriosis, then you know that you are in pain and you have heavy menstrual periods and things like that. And I was just, I was in pain from all, from everything. I, I was always in pain. My stomach was distended. It was just, it was hard as a rock. Like I was, I was in pain. I could hardly move. You know, sitting up was hard because it was, like, hard to breathe. Like, I was in pain, and I was working seven days a week as the manager, so I wasn't even getting paid for two of those days, you know? So I was in a bad in a bad mental state from being in pain and sick. You know, I was vomiting, and it was just bad. And I wasn't that, that year, I can honestly say I was not the greatest manager, and um, it just simply because I was sick and I was tired. I was sick and I was tired and I was sick and I was tired. And I had I had to do some apologizing to my to a couple members of my staff when I came back because I was just so you know I was just not in the best place and I was just why me in life and all of that and that I can say started the the downward spiral for me within corporate America because I started to hate that job. I hated it with a passion because the new company, we were a smaller company and with like 140,000 clients. And the newer company had came with 800,000 clients. And they chose my team. It was two different risk teams and they chose my team um, to go forward and with that choice we were a much smaller team the, the the risk team with the company that acquired us had like 50 members and we had 10 so why they chose my team is just simply because we had relatively no losses is really the reason why they chose my team and they had millions of losses so um, they chose my team and we had to go through this phase of hiring we had to hire like 40 people so I had to do all it was just a such a busy time and I was in so much pain it was just crazy so I went out for six weeks I was so happy to go out just to get a rest from my job you know and um while I was gone this one manager who really did not like me um we reported to him he was in the UK and he didn't like me because I'm a person, I speak my mind. Like I'm respectful and I respect you and your position and who you are to the company and to my team. But I'm still going to say what I have to say. There's always a way to speak your mind to be respectful. But he didn't appreciate that I spoke my mind to him. Like he was, he's from the UK and they're very boys club. I'm a, I'm a female. I was the only female manager and then I'm black. So you have all these white guys and then here's black girl just, you know, saying what she want to say. (laughs) 
So he did not like me, and he felt that I should do what he said no matter what. Like, he was one of those people. I said it, do it. Oh, excuse me. I'm not her. That's not me. <laughs> I don't do that. So I pushed back a lot because I felt like, sir, you're from the UK. We have a different, an entirely, entirely different environment here. Whatever you guys did in the UK, we have labor laws here. And it was just things he wanted to do. He wanted me to okay that were unethical. And I would be like, sir, why don't you go to my boss? Well, you know my boss ain't going for that. So you thought you would come to me and I would just what? I may be in the South, but I'm not of the South, sir. And while some people, and, and I say that because some people in the South still have this white black thing. I am from Chicago. I ain't doing none of that. So he didn't like me because I pushed back on a lot of the things that he wanted to do. And everybody agreed with me, but nobody would avoid, nobody would speak up but me. So he didn't like that about me. And because I am who I am, I'm going to say what I have to say. It is, it is what it is. A, a, the only thing that I gave him was respect. Like I wasn't rude. I just said what I had to say in, in, in a very professional manner. But he still did not like me because I gave him pushback. And at the end of the day, most of the things that he wanted to do, we couldn't do. And then I ended up having to engage HR with one of the things that he wanted to do because it it, it, it meant firing someone who didn't deserve to be fired. So I had to engage HR and it was just a big issue. And, ugh, and that was kind of the beginning of the end. And this man, he really did not like me. So the day of my surgery... It was a Monday, August 13th. That Wednesday, I get a call while I'm in the hospital. And like several calls from my team. And they're like, listen, this guy is literally telling people, you know, kind of, I guess, trying to find a way to fire me. So um, long story short... He had engaged with a couple members of my team who he promised things to them. And they, one guy, he, he is very ambitious and he will, he will eat his mama's neck to get to in a position that he wants to be in. So he was trying to urge people to go to HR on me for anything that he felt that I did to them at all, especially while I was sick. One girl, she bit, she she did it. And the only thing about that is that when I came back, um, it was another manager that they hired. And this manager, what I didn't know is that they hired her to replace me. So he was trying to figure out a way to get rid of me. Um, and that's why he had hired her, because I was trying to figure out why I was, why he had hired this chick. But then I realized, oh, he hired her to replace me. So um, she was the girl that went was going to HR on me. This was now her manager. And so she went to her manager on me. And I was just like, this is like my third day back in the office after being out for six weeks. So we had a meeting, we, all three of us, and I just told her, yeah, you know, I, I apologized to her completely. 
and I was just telling her this is how what was going on with me and it was never against her it was just I was in so much pain and while that's not an excuse I'm still human and I was going through a lot mentally and physically and the girl understood and she was like you know it was all copacetic and she just was like oh okay da, 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 da. that was in like November 2018 fast forward to March 2019 she went to HR because they promised her he promised her if you tell this story to HR I will give you a promotion she went to HR while I and this all happened when my father died and my uncle died all in the same week so I was traveling for funerals and when I came back the guy who had instigated her going to HR he had been promoted and she had been promoted and I was like wow that's crazy okay you know I didn't see anything of it but then HR came to town <laughs> and um it was just really it was a it was a bad situation but the thing that saved me is that all the the all the issues with um, the department that had happened in 2018, there were letters written and letters written from my team to, um, like the the uh, what is his, his department title, the risk officer, and they were blaming other people, and all of them were like, if it wasn't for me, they would have left. So, long story short, he didn't get to fire me. <laughs> But the, we had a second merger, or the fourth merger, I would say, come through with an even larger company. And through that merger, he was able to get rid of me. Now, the thing about this merger, he lied. And I didn't even feel like going through any legal thing, but he lied. They told him to get rid of um, managers. And because the team came, the new uh, company came with their own managers. So... It was really too many managers, so I get that part. But he lied and said it was supposed to be, you know, last in, first out. So the girl who was hired to replace me was supposed to go. But he put her title as a leader and the same title as the supervisors. And he put my title and another guy's title as a manager. And because he was here before me, I was out. So he did not give us all the same title, which is how she stayed and I left. But I just, I didn't even want to go through that because I didn't want to work for him anymore anyway. So I said this entire story, which I'm sure <laughs> you guys probably fast forwarded, um, just to say how far you can fall when you ch- when your mind changes and and not just mind changes, but it changes for the, you know, for for your detriment. Like my mind set plummeted because of me being ill, and because it plummeted so me, my actions were not. It, it my actions coincided with my mindset, and I did a disservice to my staff, to a couple members on my staff. And they paid me back in kind. So I don't wish them any ill will. I never have. Because I believe that what you sow, you reap. And while I had an excuse, of course, for 
I, I can't even say it was an excuse. It just was what it was. I was sick and I was tired and I was sick and I was tired. But um, the purpose of the story is to say how your mind just kind of brings to you what you're asking for. And what I was asking for with the way that my thoughts were was negativity. A lot of negativity because my thoughts were full. were full of woe is me. You know, so I was asking for what I got and I got it. Now, I will say that I was able to turn my thoughts around by the end of my tenure with this company. That's, you know, that was the same year I bought this house. And by that time, I was doing some different things and was able to turn my thought process around. And so when I was, I wasn't fired, I was laid off and they had to give me a a package. So it was a parachute package and it was, you know, health insurance and money. And I was laid off in October of 2019, but I was paid. Um, I wasn't laid off. I got my notice but they didn't want me to come back to work just simply because it's risk. I do, you know, you deal with a lot of money, a lot of security, you know, stuff. You know, I knew codes and, you know, I just knew too much. So having me sit there into December, I, I get why they, you know, was like, you're still an employee, but you can't come back to work. So I couldn't look for a job during that time. Um, because I was still an employee, but I was still an employee for two months afterwards and I got a paycheck every two weeks. Um, and then after I got the pay, you know, my final paycheck, then, you know, my kind of parachute package, um, kicked in with my severance, the money and the insurance, and I still got my bonus and all this stuff. So even though you know, what was meant for my detriment. It was actually, you know, for my betterment. I didn't have to work at this stressful job anymore. Even though I was making a shit ton of money, I didn't have to work there anymore. And I didn't have to deal with this SOB anymore. (laughs) And I, you know, I got money to take care of me through the pandemic, you know? Because the pandemic was literally few a few months later, three months later, uh, we in a pandemic. So it was so many good blessings that happened as a result of me being laid off from that job. Because so many companies lost staffing as a result of the pandemic. And to not have to, and to lose, you know, kind of get laid off before that with a parachute package. When so many people were laid off without one just because of the times it's it's a blessing so when I look back and I realize the blessing in the mess I am comforted you know I am comforted so this is why I say that there is a difference in how when you practice gratitude daily how your life can change for the for your betterment And when you let negativity fester because you're not practicing gratitude daily, your life can also take a downward turn, you know? And gratitude can exist with negativity. It just, it's not, it's not possible in your mind. One will take precedent over the other. So I urge you guys, I urge you, urge you, urge you as part of your mindset journey 
to start a gratitude challenge, start a gratitude journey, start counting your blessings every day. My book, 21 Days of Thankfulness, is a great way to start. It is available now on Amazon. It is a great way to start. It gives you 21 days of activity, of gratitude activity to start your process. Um, If you're a person who just wants to start over, you can do that. It's also available on um, Kindle. It doesn't have the workbook attached, but if you just, you know, if you have your own journal and you just want the daily activity, you can get that for less than $10. So it's there on Amazon. Go check it out. I'm going to end it here because I can keep talking, guys. You already know. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today to listen to me. I appreciate you guys so much. Don't forget to add gratitude as a daily practice in your life. I promise you, your life will change once you add the daily practice of gratitude. You guys have a blessed day. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talks with the Gratitude Chick. I am your host, Luanza Christina, aka The Gratitude Chick. Don't forget to subscribe to my podcast and give it five stars. If you have not already, get your copy of my book, 21 Days of Thankfulness, available now on Amazon.